J.P. Westfind never wanted to be a zombie writer. After an early novel failed for its lack of pace, he decided to hone his skills and began a single-minded study of action. All roads led to the genre with alternative worlds, the most thrills, the wildest characters. He fell in love with it. Hello, welcome, J.P. Westbind. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jan. Excited to be here. Ha- happy to have you. Thank you for joining us so early. Yeah, yeah, it's 8 a.m. here. So um, I guess normally whenever I speak to anyone on Zoom, well, from the rest of the world, we're always kind of out of whack unless we're talking to someone here. So, um, yeah, it's a... It's a rainy day in Sydney. It's been really hot. Normally, there's you can, all you can hear is birds, but today it's just just kind of pattering rain in the background. Oh, they've brought the silence for us. How about that? Yeah, very, <laughs> very unusual. <laughs> Even and, next door's um, dogs are quiet today. You have to read Zombie Flight. Okay, I wanted to share that you're a first for me. And I'm going to explain that. I have not read any zombie books before. <laughs> I, I can really understand that. Um, I, I never wanted to write zombie books. And like most of my like friends who've been uh, reading my books haven't read zombie books. Um, that I think they've been a little bit surprised that they were, they were okay and they enjoyed them. Um, but I've kind of been on a weird trajectory to to get to zombies because I was like I did a master's in comparative religious studies. So originally I started writing about like religion and ethics and things like that. And then I started writing my great book, which another one that that um didn't go anywhere, Barry of the Help Desk, about working in a in a big call center. Um, and uh, I like, really uh, relate to that. I could almost be some of your research for that kind of a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, well, that one got to the public, like, um, got to a big publishing house in Australia, and that one kind of bombed out. And I got a lot of feedback that I didn't have enough pace, mm. so I kind of like started reading thrillers and getting into them and going, well, "What can I do to improve my craft?" And then I kind of came across a zombie book and I just went, oh, I don't really like this genre, but sure, they've got to have pace because, you know, end of every chapter, someone's, you know, eating them, almost eating them. And then I kind of discovered, hey, I really, I really like these. And then I learned all these things and now I'm kind of feeling like anything I write, like um, there's such discipline in writing about zombies about how you've got a you're pretty much hooking everyone at the end of every chapter and it's not a not a soft hook it's like a someone's going to eat me hook or something's just about to open the door or something like that and um the other thing I really like is because I guess a lot of like fiction is all about um emotion Mm -hmm. is um you know, having that life-threatening thing is really good about revealing character. So, um, yeah, I never expected to be in the zombie world, <laughs> um, but kind of got a bit hooked. The structure itself, it, does it give you a sense of freedom in your writing? Does it give you the ability to be more creative because you have that? Well, 
Yeah, it's kind of, it's like it's a bit of a mix because you've kind of got the genre conventions you've got to stick to. But at the same time, it's like I'm an Australian, I'm writing about America, like where I haven't really spent much, much time. Um, but it's like a zombie apocalypse. It's not so much an apocalypse in, in, in my one. So you kind of like you can do anything, uh, which is, is really lovely and, and freeing, like just kind of plumbing the, the worst and freakiest depths of your mind. And so long as you, you kind of your world is internally coherent, like it's like you kind of got this compact with the reader, like they're reading about zombies, so pretty much anything goes, which is, yeah, it's nice. Zombie Flight, Zombies 2.0. When was that published? Um, so the first one, which I finally got as print, Yay. Zombie Fly, was in um, late 2017. And um, then uh, at the very end of uh, last year, I finally got the next two out and uh, coronavirus really helped with that. So I actually uh, finished a job I'd been working in for years and um, my, uh, my dad actually wrecked his knee. So I had to go back out in the middle of Australia in the outback in the desert, this little town with 1,200 people. And I had time to finally finish off these books. I finished a long-term job like coronavirus had gone crazy, like everyone started working from home. Um, But living in Sydney, which is a city, I guess, by American or Canadian or most terms it's like a fairly small city, but um, Wentworth, where I was originally from, is like a tiny little town, which is kind of larger than life um, with lots of, like very out there characters and um, the characters in Zombie Flight are in this small town in the middle of nowhere in America. So it kind of, kind of really helped and um, like the, the character in that story is really kind of someone who's gone away from a small town and then's coming back to a small town and like I, I don't know whether you originally come from a small town but it's a bit of a, can be a love-hate relationship but um, I had two months immersion in my father's hardware, secondhand furniture and wool buying business, <laughs> um, dealing with a large cross-section of uh, the community um, to kind of finish it off and, and kind of come to my own kind of um, connection with, with the place I grew up. So, it was, yeah, it was really good and strange timing, but, like, I guess coronavirus here is a very different experience where we're almost off scot-free compared to the rest of the world where it's really is. They are living with an epidemic. Are you feeling a bit like a prophet wrote about an epidemic and uh, here we are in one and, you know, 2017, there's no way we would have ever, uh, you've got a little girl on a plane in a mask and it's like, Oh, just a second here. Uh, Right? It's almost yeah, like uh, well, this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird, weird thing. And um, like writing about how people are a bit like don't want to get close to each other, like in, in the book. And then 
actually seeing it for real, like seeing it on the street. I like I don't know what it was like for you, but um here everyone was working from home like in that March, April, uh, May, and it was kind of like pretty much shut down. Um, but you'd walk down the street just to get out of the house, just to to get a bit of exercise, and people wouldn't even give you eye contact. They were so afraid. Any level of engagement was kind of off limits. And, you know, it, it seems that the, some of these things are, are very sin- overlapping in your book in the sense of, you know, that's the environment that th- goes on also with the characters in your book. And then, too, when you being off the grid like you were or living with your dad in this small town uh, reminds me of your main character in the book. Yeah, well, it was good. Like, um, so the, the senator, my steel's had a bit of a, a breakdown and his wife's died and he's kind of been hiding out in Japan and then coming coming back to America. And, and like, I don't know, you, you probably had similar stories. Like in New Zealand, they had people who went out hiking for 14 days on like these remote trails and then came back and and then suddenly everyone's wearing masks and it's it's like uh lockdown like it is it is really shocking i'm i'm kind of i'm really pleased i kind of didn't get it too wrong um because it is just so strange how people interact and um it's a real social thing like with the coronavirus how comfortable people are and even within social groups um how people will interact with you and I, I guess when like for a lot of people this is like the biggest crisis like it's like having a war like everyone's affected everyone's got stories and um yeah I'm just really well like in in the stories like they're continually going back and a lot of the the storyline is about how people interact when they know there's this virus when they know who they can trust and it's not just who who you can trust it's like in in this story it's like if you're infected and they're in your family it's like you know you're really torn because you go oh I want to be close to you but I I don't want to catch that like that virus like certainly yeah I don't know I guess coronavirus doesn't turn you into a blood-sucking zombie eventually but um, it's still pretty life-threatening. <laughs> like, it's pretty point, terrible. We're hesitant to get on a plane. What we do on planes is different. I mean, your setting is a plane, but at the same time, like, you're writing American as a non-American. This is an American senator as your main character. But So you've got politics. You've got pandemics, so the health. You've got family dynamics. You've got uh, illegal drugs. Um, now I also am noticing here, are you going back and forth between first person and third person? Uh, yeah, look, my editor and I, my editor who also helps me keep on American track because she's in California. Um, we kind of had a, had a bitter conversation because if you're kind of changing voice and, and moving around, either it works or it's terrible. Um, so I'm pretty hopeful. I like. I, I kind of feel like it works, but um, I, I've noticed with a lot of lot of more books that I'm reading, there's a lot more, a little bit more experimentation. But certainly, it either works or it's just confusing as. Um, so 
I did a lot of work on trying to make it clear who's speaking. Um, and I know so far the feedback's pretty good that it that it kind of makes sense and you can understand it. Um, the best feedback I've had is some of my friends who who don't read a lot who've been able to read it really quickly because that's authors struggle to write and stay consistent in in one voice. So if the first person, if you're staying in first person, you're either strong in first person or you're challenging yourself and you're constantly, you know, checking to make sure. But it doesn't feel to me in reading your book that you've needed to check much. It, it actually feels like there's a depth to the writing and you being able to go in and out of first person easily. It, it feels easy. Either that or you have one hell of an editor. That's you, you, you're making me feel, feel very good. I'm very relieved. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, she's a, she's a great editor, but um, it's, I don't know. When I first started writing, like many of the books, I went, uh, I guess anyone when they first start writing, like they don't actually conceptualize how many versions you actually have to do to actually be kind to your reader so they just can enjoy it and they don't have to think or, or not not think unless you want them to think and they can actually just enjoy it and obviously it's zombies so you just want them to escape from their normal world and be able to kind of give their head a massage being in this 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 little world so um yeah that was certainly the intention but um i'm pleased it was easy for them. I, I've not been distracted and it's a great experience oh. for me being that it's of course my first zombie book right well, so I'm glad you didn't run away from it and um I think the biggest help I've had in my kind of writing career is I've got a writing buddy and um we we like speak like pretty much every day and um depending on what we're doing it'll be like Here's a chapter for you. Here's a chapter for me. And um, we, we read them and it, it's a really good relationship because there's trust because, you know, sometimes um, my friend Joe, who's a great writer, will just go, this, this, this is a mess. This is like I had one chapter and she said, this is like an out-of-control dance party. <laughs> and she was right and it did take a while to to get it right but when you've got another writer especially who kind of understands the craft a bit and can kind of see the big picture of what you're trying to do and you know that they actually want it to be good and you know they've been to that place as well where their their work hasn't hasn't um been working it really helps because i don't i don't know about you but for me most of the versions of every book aren't like it takes a long time to get to the good, easy to read version. I'm not someone who can write, you know, the perfect version first time, and I don't think many people can. So, being able, like, I think that's one of the best things I've learned is how to listen to criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, so valuable. Yeah, you have that um, trust that they, they have your interests at heart, and they're not saying anything to, in any way to harm. It's meant to yeah, yeah. benefit to you and you can trust that. And that trust is so important. 
like you. So I, I read a book by William Goldman who wrote The Princess Bride and I think it was called What Lie Did I Tell? And the last third of the book he puts in a first a first draft of the first half of the script that he's wrote and he gave it to like 12 Academy Award winning script writers. And they, and then he put all their feedback at the back, at the very back of the book. And I was like holding my my head in my hands, like I was so I was cringing at how much they had trashed trashed him. And I was going, "That's so brave to put in a first draft somewhere and then show how people smash it." But his point was, at the end of it, he like I guess with criticism, you just read for what they're getting at. Um, so they might say, oh, you know, Fred needs to be riding a bike in this scene or it doesn't make sense. But in the end, you're just kind of reading between the lines to, to get to what they, what they mean. But, yeah, um, Joanne Falvey, my writing buddy, who wrote a great, great story called No Ticket, Never Mind about, um, about a Nirvana gig at, at Canberra back in 92. Um, she is, yeah. She's a she's a savior for a lot of my writing, now. and it's it's just great to have someone to bounce ideas off and not worry about if they're terrible. The the levels of vulnerability that you go through mm-hmm. writing to begin with, sharing your thoughts on paper where somebody else can find them, <laughs> never mind, and then publishing. Okay, and then having it viewed by people um, before it's actually purchased. And then the feedback, taking in the feedback. But then when you take it to the other level of vulnerability and the author who shared it in their book, it's like, not only am I saying that I've been vulnerable on all these levels, but sharing the feedback that with other people, it's like, well, I don't want anybody to ever say anything bad about it. I'm not going to share that with somebody that somebody said something bad about my writing. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so so many different levels of vulnerability. Yeah, it's it's um I guess the whole writing journey, like you you're really exposed and like I was even thinking with the zombie book, like there's a lot of other books on different genres I'd love to write, and I'm going, oh no, will will people think this is the only thing I'm I can do? And then I, I like I was speaking to someone the other day and and, and it was just like no, just just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Like it's in zombie world. And so I, I don't know, it's been a conscious effort to try and just enjoy enjoy being JP Westfind and enjoy being the zombie writer. And it's it's like fun. Um and it, it's kind of sometimes it's it's hard not to be so wrapped up in things that you don't have fun with it. Cause I like I like reading. I love reading and I love having Fun and I love reading other people's books and just being wrapped up in whatever crazy world they've got for a little while and just, you know, escaping from, you know, to, you know this year there's been a lot to escape from. Um, amazing yeah. adventures that we don't even get to have in our own mind. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I want to ask where the idea came from to call the epidemic and the results of it um, the two names that you did that are, you know, Mustang and Appaloosa. Yeah, um, I'm not sure quite where I know why they had to have another name. Is like I just wanted it it to be. 
uh, like the whole idea is there's the conspiracy, like people are getting it and it, like there's two stages. The first stage, you're, you're a Mustang and you, you actually trim down, you know, you get fitter, stronger, clearer headed, clearer eyed. And then if you don't take the, the drugs or, like, or um, you know, eat human flesh, you go full zombie and then you just like run, run amok. But the whole idea was um, because all the people who get the infection, like at first it actually makes you better than you were and a lot of people want to get it infected um, and you transmit it by kissing. So having the kissing disease or something that would make it feel like and it, it puts this worm in your body or having anything associated with that is going to be terrible from a PR point of view. Mm-hmm. And all these people who are getting the infection are kind of actually like all kind of power movers in the society, politicians and stuff, so they're taking over. So they're really smart. So they want to market it. So it's like Mustang is sexy and cool. And Appaloosa is, is cool. So I just kind of I wanted to create this world where it's not just an infection. It's also like a conspiracy of people who are infected to not be prejudiced against and even more than not being prejudiced against to even kind of take over the society. So it was a little bit of a risk because like a normal zombie book, it's just like you're a zombie, you eat people. Very simple to explain. And, like, I've been reading a lot of series and if you've got a kind of a a semi-complicated concept, you kind of have to make it easy-ish to explain and you've got to explain it in every book. It's working in getting across other concepts in that how we perceive things and, like, even how we perceive coronavirus. Over the last year, it's changed, like, three or four times of, like, it's a flu, it's, it's harmless. It's deadly. And now I think more now we've got the vaccine, certainly in Australia. We went from like just before Christmas we had like a, an outbreak and everyone was going, oh, no, it's everywhere again. Um, and then um, now we haven't had a community transmission in like 50 days and like no one's wearing a mask. So it's massive. And it, it really drives behaviour everywhere. Totally. It really does. And it's, it, you know, the social part of it and the anxiety and then the trauma and the, oh, this, the, just being so tired of it going on. I mean, it's like at some point it's, and mm. I, it, I go back to your book. It's like at some point the population is going, we have to just accept this. Right. But yeah. what made you pick names of horses or the types of horses? I just thought, you know, a Mustang, that's like a cool kind of sexy name, like had yeah. the Mustang cars and the, and I wanted to also get across this concept that um, the, uh, the people who are infected are trying to draw a line between there's two different things. There's Appaloosa, which is not related to Mustang, and Appaloosa's being a zombie and Mustang's just getting this infection that makes you even better than you are already, and that's like, I just thought if I was a marketer and I just wanted to basically deceive and plan ideas in your head, how would I, what, what kind of sexy concept would I associate with, with this? Because um, the kissing disease is just going to freak everyone out and it's going to be harder to kiss people and gotcha. kiss them. 
yeah, it, it took a long time to get all these books together. I actually wrote book four first. Then I went, oh, this isn't working. I've kind of got to do what came before. And then, like, suddenly book four still hasn't been finished. That's that one's <laughs> amazing. Um, now, I'm going, now I'm going back to that and rewriting that and I'm just going, whoa, this is, this is like a different person wrote this. I feel like um, writing the zombie books, it's really kind of, for me, it's achieved its purpose. Like it's really, I feel like it's been writing school learning to write zombie books. Um, and I feel like I can write so much better having to write to this genre than I ever could before. So I guess if you're writing zombie, like pretty much your, your be all and end all is can you read it quickly and do you want to keep reading at the end of the chapter? So that's what I'm, I've been kind of really targeting. So I think I'm hitting that. Yeah, and have some fun with zombies. <laughs> Are you getting help writing your blurbs? <laughs> um, let's just say there's just so many people who help me, um, like, and tell me whether things are good or not or can be better, like my other friend Tonya um, and my other great friends, Tonya Alexandra, who actually writes um, kind of romance youth fiction. is also another great, great reader, but... Um, yeah, it's just like as you you know, beta readers uh, rule, and they're so generous, and it's kind of fun to get other people interested, yeah. even when they say things got to be fixed up. And it's, yeah. that's a good thing to it's a good thing to find out before everyone's reading it. Mustang infection has swept the globe. It makes you smarter, faster, cures chronic conditions, and even helps you lose weight. But you've got to make sure you take your medicine because the consequences can be murder. Evolution or apocalypse. With the fate of the country at stake, it's time to choose sides. Senator Richie Steele is flying home from Japan to a very different America. Powerful forces want him back, each with their own agenda. But first he has to survive the flight. Nothing adds up. Infected flight crew and passengers a little girl in a surgical mask with a talent for picking Mustangs and an air marshal with a hidden agenda, all combined at 38,000 feet. Blood is in the air. A fresh twist on the zombie genre that nobody saw coming. Zombies 2.0. I'm even wearing my Zombies 2.0 T-shirt. How's that for a a very gratuitous plug? You have merch. Very good. (laughs) I've got merch. We're doing some some like virtual launches and stuff in the next uh, two or three weeks. So uh, my friend said we need some some merch. So okay, so we got zombie zombie flight. Yeah. Uh, we got the next one, which is zombie tribe. Let's see the whole thing. You gotta oh. come up a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Gabrielle is um is really excelled in having bloody covers nice really like so i'll read you the the blurb from uh zombie tribe fantastic in the new america mustang the zombie infection is running rampant battle lines are being drawn a few outliers like senator richie Steele, try to warn the country of the dangers of mustang the mainstream media and politicians say there's nothing to worry about on the other side of the country, Jackie Two Feathers is due to graduate from college. A phone call draws her back to her hometown, Wind River. Her grandfather is dying, but that's not all. Mustang is running right in Wind River. 
people are going missing and the scent of blood is in the air. Her identity, family, relationship and life are all at stake. Zombie tribe, nothing will ever be the same again. Oh, don't know if that's a little dramatic, but it was meant yeah. to be. I love how you smile while you're reading the blurb. <laughs> okay, this one's zombie trap. So this one brings them all together. So zombies, militia, National Guard, a senator on the run, and a group of desperate scavengers, all desperate, all deadly. Senator Richie Steele and Jackie Two Feathers return in zombie trap. Newtown is the wrong town to visit if you want to survive. A trap for the desperate, a bait that bites. It's all kind of a recap of the other recaps in the blurb because basically this one's book three, so hopefully you're already in love with Jackie and Richie Two Steel, uh, Two Feathers, um, and they they join up. Yeah, the kind of stories coalesce. This one's um, a very action-oriented ones, um, but because we know the characters a bit more, and the next one that I'm writing, Zombie School which I don't actually have a blurb for, That's but it has, a, it has a great cover with like a locker with blood running down it. It's actually oh. my favourite cover. Um, will be, you know, them or things going on. Whoever's alive, still going on. Zombie schools available for pre-order. How do I participate in these launches? How do I get that merch? Uh, jpwestfine.com is my site, so you can get Zombie Flight for free as an e-book. Um, you can connect with me on Facebook. Um, I'm also on Instagram, JP Westfind, and I'll be sending out invites to that to anyone who likes my my page in the next um, week. I'm also, just because I'm very proud of what Gabrielle did, I'll show you my other shirt. <laughs> As you can probably tell, bloodstains are a big theme. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, thanks so much, Jen. You know, this has yeah. been fun. I am very honoured that you got up early on a Sunday morning to be with me here for a featured guest interview with Online for Authors. I really appreciated your time and nice to be able to talk to you um, in the flesh or as much as Zoom can be in the flesh. 